0: I went to a few high schools, but the one I spent most time at was a really amazing high school, but it was more sports and art um, music. So it didn't have a hugely great creative facility. So I mean I definitely did art and graphics, but I was really good at biology and I was pretty good at English. But I failed art in year 12, You're pretty right. much. Yeah, I had a. As <laughs> a,
1: a, a revelation.
0: I know, well I can't kind of, I didn't fail. I think I got an E. Is that a fail? I can't kind of remember it.
1: Welcome. To two coffees and a creative. I'm your host, Matt David. Each month I seek out innovators, idealists, and entrepreneurs from all walks of creative life. They choose their favourite cafe, we order two coffees. And then delve into their creative journey. Wins, losses, pivotal moments, and the story behind their movement. It all begins with two coffees. So put the kettle on or order that second coffee and enjoy this episode of Two Coffees and a Creative. This month, I sat down with illustrator and designer Becky Orpin at her and her partner Raff's restaurant in Brunswick, Winita Peaches. From clothing labels to murals to writing books and designing wine bottles, Becky has just about done it all. Having followed her work for years, I was super excited for this interview. I hope you enjoyed this chat as much as I did. Okay, I'm um, I'm with Becky Orpin, uh, who is designer, illustrator, creative extraordinaire. Uh-huh. That's <laughs> um, very generous. At Wanita at Peaches in Brunswick, which is actually uh, your your uh, your cafe restaurant. Sort
0: of, yeah. It, yeah. Well, it's Raft's. Um, yes, by default, it's mine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: tell us a little bit about Wanita Peaches first.
0: Um, well, I guess the idea is well, um, the first thing that Raf did was. Um, he did the food trucks so we have four food trucks, two taco trucks and two beatbox kitchen and then um, we kind of outgrew various warehouses and then we got to this space um, which was big enough to house four trucks and then I had this space in the front so we thought might as well turn it into a restaurant so we actually had it for a year before we turned it into a restaurant so yeah yeah I guess the idea is um, Raph always just does food that he likes and so this is a bit a little bit Tex-Mex, it's like burritos, fried chicken, then we have donuts, all day donuts here, so, yep. yep.
1: I've got one of those in front of me yeah. right now, um, <laughs> and a filter coffee. Um, can't wait to get stuck into mm-hmm. that. I'm sure I might even stick around, try some of the food. Yes, do it. Um, let me just go back, just want to, let's go back to to the beginning, I guess, as, as early as you can remember, um, yeah. in your in your creative journey. When did you first discover your creativity
0: yeah. um, well I guess I had a quite unconventional upbringing my parents were um, I guess I grew up I was born in the early 70s my parents were kind of hippies so I spent the first two years of my life driving around Australia in a land cruiser um, we didn't really have a permanent home or anything um, so I guess starting off and then my parents got divorced and I moved into a commune with my mum Yeah. and the commune was kind of inner city commune but I guess all of those things led me to have Creative life from the beginning just because they were so, um, I guess, against the norm. And um, yeah, my mum was really full on about us not watching TV and um, reading books and doing things with our hands. My dad's a builder as well, so I guess I was surrounded by someone who was always using their hands. So yeah, from the beginning. Hmm.
1: Um, You've touched on the the commune. What what was that like as an experience? Um,
0: It was pretty wild, but I didn't, I guess I lived there from the age of about three to nine. 9 or 10 um and i guess when you're that young you don't really know what's normal and what's yeah. not normal and it already come from it um i guess i'm not very normal <laughs> situation so um for me it was kind of paradise it was me and my sister we're the only kids that lived in the commune and i guess it was the commune was based on um political beliefs rather than like religion or anything like that do you know what i mean so it was just kind of a big share house and the house itself was this huge Victorian mansion that was three stories and it used to be an orphanage, so it was designed for lots of people to live in, so yeah. it was pretty magic actually growing up that way. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting because I had the commune, you know, Monday to Friday and then I'd go to my dad's house on the weekend and my dad would let us eat junk food and watch colour TV and all this stuff, so I had this really great balance of like... Yeah um, you know, pop culture and then really kind of wholesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty, I definitely, once I started to go to school and definitely the in queue, which was really kind of conservative, wealthy area. Yeah. So when I started going to primary school, I started to notice uh, that I was quite different <laughs> from other kids. Yeah. So, um, which I was horrified by at first, but I think in retrospect, it was, it was a good thing.
1: Yeah. How, yeah. Did, you, how did you think you overcame that?
0: Um, it took me ages, I remember like even in high school being really embarrassed to say that I grew up in a commune for part of my life, And um, yeah. but I guess once I kind of, you know, once you leave high school and high school kind of makes you want to conform and be like everybody else, and once I left high school and kind of studied and met a whole lot of people, I guess kind of my tribe, I realised what a cool thing it was, so yeah, um, yeah, it took me a while though to realise that
1: it was cool. <laughs> What were you studying in high school? What was what was the um, things that you were really excelled at?
0: Uh, nothing. <laughs> no, it was really good. Um, obviously, I knew I liked art, and I, I kind of loved drawing from a really young age. So I knew I wanted to do drawing as part of my job. But the high school I went to was a really amazing high school. Um, I went to a few high schools, but the one I spent most time at was a really amazing high school. But it was more sports and art, um, music. So it didn't have a hugely great creative facility so I mean I definitely did art and graphics but I was really good at biology and I was pretty good at English but I failed art in year 12 pretty yeah, right. much yeah I had a, <laughs> There's a, a, a,
1: a revelation <laughs>
0: I know well I can't I didn't fail I think I got an e is that a fail oh, I can't even remember anymore yeah but it, it was I had an art teacher who's and I guess now like my son's in um high school now and he gets to choose like his electives are like painting drawing printmaking Sculpture, photography, architecture, yeah. do you know what I mean? Whereas we just had graphics broad, yeah. and art. That's, that's all we kind of had. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so, in this, it was art, and I guess it was, he was a very fine art teacher. And I knew, I, I guess back then, I knew I wanted to do illustration, but I didn't know what that was. Do you know what I mean? Like, nobody said, Oh, you want to do illustration? It was just to me, it was just drawing, but it wasn't fine art. Yeah. And he didn't really understand that. And because he wasn't into what I did, he just paid no attention, and I just yeah. ended up. Um, yeah, just not really producing very much work. But I had a really brilliant graphics teacher and he really influenced me a lot, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Um, because he was really, he was just really amazing and um, supportive and, and I got really good marks in graphics. But, yeah, really bad marks in <laughs> art.
1: Yeah. I guess the teachers can be the, the yeah. key
0: to it. Yeah, very much so. And he was, he just had really good vision. This teacher, he was really, like, contemporary and, I don't know, it Was the other guy I was a bit more old school and, yeah. 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 But, yeah, he definitely was.
1: Who were your other role creative role models oh,
0: I had, I've had so many it's kind of hard to um so after so what I actually after high school I got into um fashion design at RMIT which was a great course but I applied for like heaps of courses like graphic design da, 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 and I only got into fashion design which was a really hard course to get into so I thought oh, I got into it I might as well do it and then I did it and then I didn't love it Um, not because it's not a great course but I guess for me I just wanted to draw and there was hardly any drawing in it. It was really technical, lots of pattern making Um, but after that, so I dropped out after a semester and then I did this year 13 course with a really amazing it was kind of like an open studio course I guess where you kind of have, it was just a studio that was open You just came in all the time with a really incredible teacher and his name was Ray and he was a photographer but he was he really had heaps of faith in me and and kept telling me how talented I was and nobody had ever told me that before and so he was really amazing and it was through that course that I found textile design which is kind of what led me on to what I'm doing now so I guess he was the first really amazing mentor I don't know
1: I guess your mother would, you know, she's my mum social justice campaigner yeah,
0: my mum is amazing Um, both my parents are amazing I guess my mum she was a really great role model in that she kind of in the upbringing, both my parents gave me—they, there was no um, what's like being individual is what they supported. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so, and especially with my mum being a very uh, passionate feminist at a young age, I never grew up thinking that because I was a girl. There was
1: gender role. Yeah, there yeah. wasn't
0: gender. Yeah. You know, I never kind of, which definitely helped me. So definitely that, and definitely yeah. my dad. Both of their work ethics yeah. are incredibly strong. Yeah. Um, my dad built. You know, a whole lot of incredible things in the 80s, I guess. Like, he did all, you know, Lindsay Fox's renovations, and we used to spend our holidays in the...
1: Beautiful <laughs> part of town. Yeah, Beautiful.
0: just... And um, so, I guess, seeing that he was able to do it, and he all did it on a handshake. It wasn't contracts. It wasn't, like, all of this, and It was all just built on his reputation. So, yeah. so both of them kind of showed me... And my stepfather, too. I had a really incredible stepfather who was also um, a solicitor and worked really hard for workers' rights and stuff like that. Yeah. And he taught me a lot about equality and, yeah. So, yeah, all my parents, incredibly lucky to have really great parents. Yeah.
1: So, you, you see, you got into textiles when you got out of, out of high school. Yeah. Um, where did your, sort of, journey go from there? From there.
0: So, I guess textile design was the perfect course for me because I was really interested in design, but graphics was too tight. And I was really interested in drawing. And so um, textile design is a really strong drawing component but then has design. So that was really great. And it was the first thing I'd done which I was, like, really good at. Like, my first mark was a distinction. I was, like, totally shocked, you know. And then I loved it. I just totally lived and breathed it. So once I graduated, I – what did I do? So I was working, like, four part-time jobs. And yep. I did that for five years after graduating. Yep. Um, but I guess my folio um, – I was. so this is, like, 92 – 90, no, I can't even remember. What year are we in? No, it would be like 97 that I graduated. Yeah. Um, And my folio was very much based around streetwear, and that was like a really new concept back then. Yeah. Streetwear didn't really exist. Like there was like high fashion and there was surfwear and there was nothing in between. So I guess my folio was very much based around that. And I knew I didn't really – I won a lot of awards and and, – did lots of internships in various places, like Sheridan. I did an internship there, and I did an internship at a smaller business that designed children's clothing, so I felt like I had a good idea of what I wanted to do. And I had no idea, though, like, yeah. that I, if I was going to get a job. But then as soon as I graduated, my folio was shown. I had a friend who worked at Factory X, and Factory X is a big company here. They now own Gorman. They own Dangerfield. They own a bunch of labels. Yeah. And so she got a job there. And she was doing fashion at the same time I was doing textiles. And so she said, oh, can you show your folio to them? So then I – that was, like, before I graduated. So I started to get freelance work through her designing T-shirts. So then that's what I guess my career started, as designing T-shirts. And there was a real demand because of the streetwear. And I was really obsessed with labels like Xlarge and Stussy and things like that. Like That was, yeah. that was sort of my market, I guess and then i started designing within factory x but there was no women designing for women then so but then there was all these t-shirts they to be designed for women so then i became this go-to person to design um you know streetwear t-shirts for for girls so that's what a lot of my work was
1: yeah um did they really take off
0: yeah yeah it did really take off it kind of snowballed i guess it wasn't like oh my god overnight success but there was this was the internet was barely invented it wasn't even email then all my artwork was done with a um you know a fine liner and liquid paper and you know and then i had to learn computers but um so it's not i think things happen a lot faster these days no social media you know yeah i barely i didn't even have a website so yes it was word of mouth um But, yeah, it's just kind of slowly... Like, there was another company then called... um, God, they had so many different names, but it was the company that owns Globe now. And they used to own, like, the rights to most of the skate labels and things like Paul Frank. And um, they owned Stussy and they owned um, Mossimo and things like that. And so then I started working with them as well. So I started designing for a bunch of their labels. So, yeah, it kind of slowly built up. But at the same time, I was still working. Like, I worked in a club like I ran Saturday nights at a nightclub, I worked, I managed a bookshop, I did screen printing two days a week, like, yeah. it took me a while, but all those jobs that I was doing, like, if I look back on it now, they all helped me, because, you know, I'd meet clients, that would be like, come to my
1: yeah. club on
0: Saturday nights, yeah. you know, I started screen printing my own t-shirts. They're all
1: complimentary. Yeah. yeah,
0: the bookshop allowed me to look at all these incredible books, you know, all weekend, you know what I mean? So, lots of inspiration and um, but I guess yeah,
1: hanging out with all the streetwear kind of people, would, you'd meet some pretty yeah. I guess I was um, tastemakers and stuff.
0: Yeah, well, I definitely kind of um, you know I shared a studio with um, you know my friend who got me the freelance work. She started a label called Pam, which has you know been going for twenty years. And and I started to share a studio with her and her partner who started that. So because I was in the studio with them, you know, I got to meet like barry mcgee and chris johansson and like all these people that they were bringing to do art shows or whatever so yeah. um james Jarvis, like heaps of people so definitely um because of them i got to, to meet a whole lot of people and and then i started my own label as well so yeah yeah
1: do you, do you think you have a had a pivotal pivotal moment in your in your career and
0: i had a few it's kind of hard and i do kind of i'm not very good at um i guess i'm good at kind of having ideas of what i want to do next but i'm never like really make a huge plan so when things happen i'm just like oh cool this is what i wanted it to do but i was never like okay i'm going to go out and get that so when things happen i'm not like this is it i made it do you know what i mean there yeah. was definitely i did start working for um x large like the label that i was obsessed with when i was in uni so when i started working for them
1: how did you get that
0: um just approach them. crazy story you no know? so i'd been doing lots of work like I did um lots of work for various labels in Australia and then I started working for a label in New York called Built by Wendy and then started to get I started working for a, a skate company in New York called Rookie as well and that was all through um, Built by Wendy I literally put a little envelope of my work under her door her shop door yep. and then she looked at it and she's like I really like this can you work for me rookie came through mutual friends and I met them at a trade show skate trade show, yep. anyway so I've been working for those guys and then we went to the skate trade show um, which is in San Diego, it was called ASR, I don't even know if it still exists but it was kind of like a hangout. it was like crazy, like be like, oh, DC's throwing a party Wu-Tang's playing and like it was just kind yeah, of wow. just went to hang out yeah. and, um, and one of my, my boyfriend at the time was a buyer for a skate store so, but he was more going just to hang out rather than so we went together, and um, oh no, this is another time actually. Yeah, so I went with my husband now, Raf, and then we were in LA after the trade fair, and all of, like lots of people would go to LA after the trade fair from San Diego.
1: Yep.
0: And September 11 happened, so we couldn't fly to New York because we meant to fly to New York on September
1: 12.
0: Oh wow. <laughs> so we were trapped in LA for two weeks, and um, I met this guy through mutual friends of all our friends from New York who were stuck in LA they yep. said come to this bar whatever I met this guy called Maurice and Maurice was a brand manager of Exide yep. so I started talking to him yep. and then he's like oh come 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 to the office tomorrow so, so I went to the office and then
1: yeah. I guess that would have been a pretty incredible time to be in the States as well as far as an outpouring of
0: Yeah and lots community. of my work did become US based yep. um, then I would say, like, 50%. And when I had my clothing label, most of it was sold in the US. And, and um, yeah, it was a pretty amazing time, yeah. you know. Um, and so, quite different now to, to now. So, yeah, yeah. it was, a, it was yeah. a cool thing. I think when I started working for X-Large, it was, like, past its, like, extreme heyday. But it was still, for me, I was just, like, oh, was crazy. Yeah. And actually, after that, I got a bit, like, oh, well, I've done that. Now what do I... <laughs> i got a bit depressed because it's, like, shit. Yeah. Now what do I do? <laughs> you yeah. know, so... Yeah, but that was definitely a, a cool thing for me. But. Yeah.
1: Mm. Um, I read in one of the articles, um, you, you say as you get older, you become more aware of surface value. Mm. What does that mean?
0: Did I say that? <laughs> 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 what was that in, what was uh, that in context to?
1: It was just more about sort of shallow, about shallowness as oh, you get older. yeah, yeah.
0: So definitely, I feel like, um, I guess one of the things that what's happening with my work now is, I've worked for all these amazing clients and stuff but now I'm like kind of like well if if my work didn't exist would it would it really matter so I had to do this talk once it was one of those Petra culture talks Yep. for design week I did it and it was about happiness so I had to sum up like my idea of design happiness into 20 slides it was really hard that you have to talk about for 20 seconds each yep. so that really made me think about about what it is that makes me happy as a designer. Yep. Um, and so my my conclusion was, like, if my work didn't exist, would the world be a worse or better place? I, don't, I actually don't think it would matter, right? But there's definitely things that I think I have done and that I hope would help, which is influence, you know? So I guess that's where, for me, design is important and it's not actually the surface value of the design. Yep. It's the influence and things you can teach people or, you know, I guess... You know, I've got a lot of Instagram followers, which I didn't intend on at all, that just accidentally happened, but I can use that platform for good instead of evil, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess you become less and less about surface value. I still want things to look nice all the time, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think as you start
1: thinking of deeper meanings, yeah. Yeah. On social media, um, mm. I know you're, as a mother of two, two teenage boys. Yes. Um, do you think the obsession of devices affects creativity and uh-huh. how do you manage it? It's also
0: really interesting actually. Um, so I guess I have, so I've got one son who's eleven, so I'd say he's twin and one who's fifteen. And we've always battled with the screens. Like it's really hard and Raph and I spend both of our like I do almost of my a bunch of my work on the computer and we look at the screen all day and da-da-da-da-da. So I don't think we can really discourage screens, like, no screen ban. When they were growing up, we were really strict about TV until they hit school and then it just all went out the window, basically. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but now I've seen Tyke, who is my oldest son, go from being, like, we have constantly remind him. He's hardly ever on his phone anymore. <laughs> Definitely he's on social media and that, you know, he has troubles without, like, any team or any person, basically. Yeah but he's out doing stuff all the time. So I've seen him go through the obsession and then outgrow it. So yes. And my other thing is that I have... So my youngest son, he's quite different to the older one, as in his, he will just spend all day on his Xbox. No doubt about it, if yeah. we let him. He's probably on it right now.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but one of the things I have learned is how technology can be really, really good for him, and he's really curious. So he will be on YouTube. He will, like... Like okay, this is a so random example. The other day, um, I watched Marie Kondo like the rest of the fucking world. And then we um and then I said to Ari, Okay, we're gonna do your we're gonna do your um, clothes and I'm gonna teach you this folding way and he was like playing Fortnite and he was like, Okay, show me after it, I'm going go, this game, okay, all right. And then I went back up and he'd already learned it. He was interested, he googled how to fold his t-shirts himself. He's yeah. like, Yeah, I know how to do it. Yeah. So stuff like that. And he's really interested in cooking, so all the time he's like he finds, like, oh, can we make the world's biggest gummy bear ourselves? Do you know what I mean? So I think for him, technology has actually been incredibly great because, yes, he's on the screen all the time, but it also motivates him to do all these other things. And then he can just learn everything. Like, it's unbelievable. So I'm in two minds. Yes, I think kids need to be outdoors and connecting with nature and all that stuff. But I... Technology is not going to go away. Those screens are going to be part of it. They need to know how to manage it themselves yeah. and how to use it. So yeah. I don't actually think they're as evil as everybody thinks they are. Yeah. And, and especially seeing my, my oldest son like come off screens, totally interesting. you yeah. Know? Yeah. Mm.
1: I guess that's an inspiration as a creative too, to get some ideas from your kids oh, of where the way they think.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah, it is really interesting. But it's not like if you said, give me an example of how they've inspired you. Yeah. Like, I couldn't tell you.
1: Yeah, well, the world's gr- largest gummy bear.
0: <laughs> yeah, well pretty much that's pretty cool. But um but yes, absolutely. They are inspiring in many ways.
1: What do you think is a big challenge faced by our next generation of, of creatives?
0: Oh, it's really hard. I think social media is such a huge beast and, and everybody touts it as the way to promote your work and I don't and, and people will see it as the only way to promote your work. Yeah. And it's really easy to rely on it, but it's not It's not about that. And it, it, it's about, you know, doing what you're doing, running your own podcast or, or going to visit people or travelling or doing stuff like that. So I think the huge task for them will be getting outside that yep. and also separating yourself. It's really easy to make work now. Like when I started to make work, like there wasn't a computer. Do you yep. know what I mean? You had to know how to draw. You had to know how to put colours together. You had to know... And now it's really... If you can't draw, you can still pick up Procreate and an iPad and you can learn. Like, it's not that hard. Or you can trace a bunch of stuff. So I think actually separating yourself and developing a style is, is harder now than it used to be. Yeah. Um, but I'm constantly flawed by the new work that I see. So, of course, it's possible. But I think it's much harder than when I was younger. Yeah. yeah.
1: People worry more about their brands rather than Absolutely. Than their work. And, and
0: that's what I'm just like, just don't worry about that stuff. Yeah. Don't worry about Instagramming your work. Don't worry about building a profile. You know, just do whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, money. Work. money. Well, what's your. What's your <laughs> can money buy happiness?
0: Yes. <laughs> 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 I, I mean, definitely if you have money, then things are easier. But definitely also the things that. You know, my favourite things is hanging out with friends and that doesn't necessarily cost money. You know, you can have the best... You can have the best time and it could be in a park, you know? So... But it definitely makes things easier. And it's a really... That that need to make things easier is a good motivator. Yeah. Mm.
1: What is one change that would make this world a better place?
0: Oh, God, there's so many. Only (laughs) one?
1: Yeah. Well, for the Australian
0: (laughs) government to take climate change seriously would... Definitely
1: okay, yeah.
0: make um, Definitely. the world a better place. I think I think you know the the current drive for more empathy is, is a huge a huge yeah. thing, and, and I think my parents, the number one, you know, my mum especially working in social justice, brought us up empathetic, and I think a lot of the things that are happening now worldwide, with you know mindfulness and empathy and stuff, is, is something that we intuitively already did. But I think that that whole mission of yeah. I mean, mindfulness is such a buzzword, and, and it comes with so many things, but I think empathy and, and the things that come around mindfulness, absolutely, it would make the world better. Yep. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, let's move on to something a little bit more fun, just, just yes. to finish us was off. Yeah, very
0: heavy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you probably got this one question before, but what would you tell your teenage self if you could go back in time?
0: Oh, that, it's, that it's good to be different. They wouldn't... Teenagers don't listen, so it wouldn't make a difference anyway. But I was quite different when I was a teenager. Like, definitely I was, you know, alternative and into, like, music and stuff and dressing differently to everybody else. But I had a group of people. And even within that group of people, you were still like, oh, is this... I had a lot of insecurities, heaps of insecurities. And I also bullied really badly by someone. And I feel like if I could go back... I understand why that person bullied me now, because they were desperately unhappy, you know? So I I think looking beyond the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, if you could pick another career, what would it be?
0: Oh, I've got a few. <laughs>
1: um,
0: um, I'd love to be a botanist. I really like plants and. Um, yeah, I can definitely re- remember the names of species of plants and animals better than humans, yep. you know, faces and stuff. So, um, so, yeah, something to do with nature and botany and, um, you know, but. Or a midwife. <laughs> that's quite but yeah. um I'd really I really like everything that that comes with um the you know a woman's body when she has a baby I think it's really amazing and I was really fascinated by it when I was pregnant and anytime someone's pregnant I'm like tell me all about it <laughs> and actually someone gave birth out the front of my house like earlier this year and I was able to like live out my midwife dreams then <laughs>
1: yeah, okay. stalking pregnant women <laughs>
0: yeah pretty much
1: <laughs> okay what's next on your bucket list um in, in a work sense or a, in a work just a travel sense, sense or whatever? Travel.
0: Oh my God, we have, I have such a huge list of travel. Yeah. Yeah, always have travel plans. Um, what we're trying to do is a family Euro trip this year which we've never done. Um, so hopefully that, but we'll see how that goes. What um, will be a
1: dream project as well?
0: Uh, I always say, well, I feel like every project that arrives is like, oh my God, this is such a dream project. <laughs> yeah. So it's really hard. I mean, I always say, um, I would love to do a hotel of some kind, like um, yep. especially Raf and I together. Like um, he's really good. I think we're really good. We're really good hosts. I love doing interiors. He loves food. I feel like we could really um, art direct a hotel really really well yeah. together. Wow. Um So that that would be, and I'd love to take on. Like, I guess my projects are becoming bigger, and not always. Like I still have lots of smaller illustration jobs which I love, um, but I love. I've did a few jobs where I've kind of art directed so I've got to employ people and I've got to direct the whole thing and, wow. and um, you know that's been great um, I'm working on this big project with Smiling Mind which is about teen mental health so that's really interesting to see they're completely out of my comfort zone um, so I'm really interested to see where that goes too. so yeah
1: What's your, what's your favourite colour and why? Oh, yellow <laughs> <laughs> And she's wearing a yellow t-shirt Yeah, yeah, yellow um,
0: because it's really happy um yeah it's just really
1: happy yeah 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 yep. um your f- favorite place to eat out ah,
0: that's so hard i mean of course i'm going to say here yeah but we do eat here we've got three restaurants which we eat at all the time so but um this just feels like an extension of our lib- dining room really yep. um but i love Marion. Um, I think Andrew McConnell, you know, Melbourne, Chef, all of his restaurants are amazing. Marion, Supernormal, they're probably yep. my favourites. Yeah.
1: Um, any podcasts that you're listening to? I'm
0: not. I don't. It's so funny, I don't really get um, the chance to listen to many podcasts yep. because when I'm illustrating, often I really need to focus yep. and I can't listen at the same time. So if I'm working on the iPad, I can do it.
1: Yep.
0: Um, I just listen to, I'm really interested in... Um, I guess, diet-related diet, diet related stuff. So I just listened to a really great podcast on BBC yep. about diet and the carb debate, so that was fascinating and the science behind it and stuff. So. Well,
1: how do you relax?
0: How do I relax? Um, I ride my bike. I ride my bike a lot. Um, just being at home, if we're all home together, like all four of us, that's a miracle and that's like my favourite time. Yeah. Raff, hospitality schedule, teenager who's never home anyway, so if we're all home together, that's great. Beach... Yeah. you know all the normal things Yeah. drinking wine <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, okay let's finish off with this your your most inspirational piece of art that you've seen around the world
0: oh my god that's so hard <laughs> I don't even know I feel like it, I get inspired by so many things like it's a problem for me yeah. the amount of things I love yeah. um, oh my god I don't I mean if you're talking about things like from the from the beginning of time like from the beginning of me, yeah, yeah. Um, there's like this is gonna sound really crazy, but there's a the fairy tree which is in Fitzroy Gardens. Yeah, yeah. It's been there forever. I've loved that forever. Yeah. And I um I went and looked at that again recently, I was like, It's so cool, I still love it. I really love things that are um uh, like inclusive like everybody can love them everybody can look at them and find something from them and I think that's a great piece of like I wouldn't even know if it's public art but do you know yeah. what I mean where it's like do we know so cool who created everybody. yeah oh. she's there I can't remember her name yeah. but um I love things like that where it's like everyday kind of you know yeah. sculptures or things that you pass all the time that everyone can look at and appreciate yeah. so um, good choice yeah or you know if you want to go to the opposite extreme I saw a Henry Leger uh, yeah. exhibition at the it? Pompidou yep. um, I don't know how to say it Leger L-E-G-E-R yeah yep. Um, exhibition at the Pompidou when I was there in last year and that was that floored me yes. yeah 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 so
1: fantastic we'll, we'll put up um, images of all that stuff up yes. on the uh, Instagram but um, Becky Orpin thank you so much it's thank been, you it's been an absolute pleasure yeah so, thanks so much cheers mm-hmm. thanks That was our chat with Becky Orpin at Juanita Peaches in Brunswick. Please check out our Instagram at Two Coffees and a Creative from all the photos and links from this month's episode. And if you're enjoying this podcast, you can find more episodes of Two Coffees on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Matt David, and this has been Two Coffees and a Creative.